Video check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. I'm stuck. He's making cut. Look at Honestly. I've gutted. I've absolutely gutted. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome in, everybody. It's another edition of Mode Push, an American view of F1, our podcast that we do on a weekly and or semi-weekly basis. But uh, it's a lot of work these days. Alex Curie, Dan Jimenez is always here with you. Uh, and we've got a ton going on here because we've had three. We're, in, we're now on the third week in a row of races and uh, getting ready for this one. The USGP, the Mexican GP, and then Brazil coming up this week, all in a row, we saw this on the schedule before, Dan, and we were like, this is going to be an amazing uh, set of a few weeks. And uh, here we are already two out of the three races down of this three-week-in-a-row run. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. And we're coming up on, I, I think it was what my uh, favorite of the three, which is Brazil. That's uh, one of my favorite tracks we go to each year, so I'm super excited for it. Uh, Interlagos, right? Isn't that what we're... Uh, isn't Interlagos, the, yep. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I want to see how this thing goes because... Now it's just a formality for Max to be able to get his 17th win of the year, uh, which yeah. would – I think 16 broke the record, didn't it? Because the f- record yep. he had previously set was last yep. year. Does it mean New that – Does it mean that much when it's 24 races in the season and uh, the they, they used to only have 13, 14, 15 races in a year? Um, you know, there I think are other years that – there were drivers who won a higher percentage of the races, but I think if Max runs the, the, the gauntlet through the end and wins the next three, then he'll have the standalone total race win record as well as percentage of races throughout a season one. So it's impressive. Any way you slice it, there's no understating how impressive this year has been for Max. So not even going to try and discount it. You know, what was not impressive Uh, turn one for Checo Perez in the Mexican GP. I don't think there's been a more disappointed fan base in the history of a race after all of that buildup and to have Checo, I mean, really straight across too. Like he was, it was one, two, three. He was already into the podium on that first turn uh, and then ends up, and then ends up getting uh, launched into the air. I was thinking it's funny because when you see it live, you're like, oh, kind of clipped him. Oh, the car kind of sort of jumped a little bit. When then when they have the still shots of it, Dan, you saw it, right? <laughs> It's like yeah, when it's you like flying to the air. I know. It's like when you take a picture of like uh, Dominique Wilkins or Michael Jordan back in those old or Spud Webb, even better. Like when they'd show, you're like, oh, that was a cool dunk, but they're up in the air for so little time. But then when they have that picture paused of Spud Webb, five foot five or five seven or whatever, and the 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 vertical, and that car was off the off the those back the tires ground. were off the ground probably four feet. I mean, that's how much energy you're into these cars and just like a little something that will catch. Whose fault was it, though? I know that Checo. Uh, oh man, I mean, it, it, it's putting yourself in that spot is a bad thing. Anyway, you got to protect yourself, and if you're going to be right there and you want to give yourself a shot to race with those top three, you can't get into something crazy like that. Yeah, in the end, uh, it was Checo's fault. You know, but it sucks because he kind of got baited into it. Like, I don't blame him for what it, you know. I don't think anyone second guesses what he why he he tried for it because the thing with Mexico is it's such a long front stretch that like starting on pole is almost a disadvantage. And so, you know, everyone expected Max to get a toe off of um, Charles, but he like, 
he beat Charles off the line and all of a sudden they were side by side. It's not like he was kind of dive bombing underneath uh, Charles right at the end. He was side by side from like a hundred meters off the line. And so that created like a two car wide hole in the air for Checo. And I don't know if Checo expected that, but he got such a toe that he was able to pull up side, uh, side by side with those two. And you have to go for that gap. If he could do it all over him, I think he still goes for the gap, but he runs wide and just tries to come out in third place because he started in fifth. So you think coming out of turn one and third from starting fifth is, you know, you're, you've set yourself up for a podium. That would have been like, I think the best outcome for him, but he just, he, he didn't play it conservative enough. And he, he drove it like there was only two cars going through the corner, <laughs> but there were three and, uh, like Charles said, there was nowhere for him to go. Max was down as far as he could inside that corner. And it was Checo's fault. And he took the risk and it was just a total gut punch heard across like all of Mexico. <laughs> all of Mexico. And on top of it, Lewis finishes second and with the fastest lap. It was basically the worst outcome uh, for Checo and his future at Red Bull. Or is it already decided? Like when you saw that moment and in our little Twitter chat that we have with all of our, our Twitter <laughs> friends, it was like, people are like, he's done RIP Checo. Like, I don't want to be that quick on it. Uh, but then we also started to see the back and forth of the, the possibilities of rumors. And some of that stuff excites me. I mean, is Danny Rick, I mean, he had the best result for Alpha Tauri of the entire season by being back five and a half seconds. Right. I mean, you can't deny that the guy's got a lot of experience and he of course uh, has done what he's done uh, in F1 and, and, and Red Bull, I think, I think helmet Marco still really likes that guy, loves the brand, uh, that he brings to, to Red Bull. It's something different, but I don't know. I mean, like if there's a rumor of, of, uh, Fernando Alonso going to Red Bull, I'm all over that too. Dude, the rumors are flying like, uh, right after the race or pretty soon after the race that evening, there was a reporter on Twitter who is uh, a pretty um, famous reporter in the F1 paddock who uh, is a, uh, a Spaniard, tweeted in Spanish, um, I, I can't believe the rumor I just heard in the paddock. And then Will Buxton like doubled down on it uh, as like he had heard the same rumor. And so that just has gotten the whole uh, kind of just rumor universe going crazy and so much crazy speculation. So you already mentioned one of them. It's that Sergio's done. He's either moving to another team or he's retiring. Jeez. Another one is Alonzo's maybe retiring or it's Alonzo's taking Checo's seat at Red Bull. That one, it seems the least likely to me. Then the, the exciting one, or the interesting one, is that Lan, uh, Lawrence Stroll uh, is selling Aston Martin to the Saudis and getting out of the sport, and Lance is going to play tennis or something. I was going to say, and Lance is going to continue his amazing streak in F1 <laughs> is where I thought you were going to go with that. No, I mean, it's a. I love all these rumors, but don't you feel like – don't you feel like uh, – Papa Stroll is – he wants the attention too much. Like, don't you feel like this puts him a little bit too much in the center of the universe and he loves to be there? Yeah, he does seem like he's been doing it more for him than his son. Like, I I think – I would imagine he would stay in the sport even if Lance decided to retire. So it would be surprising to me, especially after all the investment that they've put into that team, unless he got some crazy uh, deal from the Saudis, which is very possible. Oh, yeah. Um but again, I just don't think at this point he's he's motivated by money as much as he is sure. ego. So, I mean, you're at the top of, you know, the the sporting world in F1 in a lot of ways. You know, is he going to go buy Manchester? Like, what's he going to do with his money if it's not an F1? So I think that one's uh, less likely. 
Um, I think it's either more likely that Sergio's retiring um, or Fernando's retiring is is the the big rumor. All right. So, any other things flying around? Because it's not just that uh, it's not just the seat at uh, Red Bull that's very interesting. If if Checo ends up losing that gig, uh, we've already fallen victim to some of the rumors that had uh, Logan Sargent re-signing with Williams, and I was like, oh, I'm hopeful. And then someone's like, oh, fake account, parody account. And then I saw a bunch <laughs> of different versions of that, and. I don't know. Is there any way Logan Sargent uh, gets re-signed with Williams or is his time in F1 totally done after one meager point? Right. You know, he's not so far off of um, Albon's pace for some of the race, but then it seems like his race, the races go on. He just starts to fall back and Albon's like a shoe in for ninth, almost every single race now. (laughs) And it, and Logan's fighting for 15th, you know? And so I don't know. It's it's going to be a tough call. I think I've said it before. I think there's a we're on a two two week time clock or timeline or however it is, however long it is before Vegas. Because if they don't announce it in Vegas, then I think it's it's over with. But they might be Williams might be holding out to see what um, cards how the cards fall if something is going to be announced at Red Bull or at Aston Martin. Because if Fernando's retiring or something else, like as soon as one driver's clearly not coming back next year then that's what really gets all the ball the, the ball rolling and all the dominoes falling. Last year it was Vettel retiring, and then we just had a slew of, of driver's seat changes. And so Williams could be just playing it cool, um, knowing that they've got Sargent as a backup, but they might be able to nab somebody else if, if the silly season starts. I was brainstorming, and again, it's my brain, so it's not a lot of stories. It's like a brain drizzle. And <laughs> I was actually thinking about ways to improve F1. And I'm just straight up copying off of what the NBA is doing here in town, what soccer has done for years. And I was thinking about the possibility of a playoff of, of some kind or like a separate, you know, and, and I know they do this with the sprint races a little bit and maybe the, but, but we have 24 races in the season, right? Mm-hmm. What if they did a playoff scenario, so to speak, that because and and NASCAR does it, don't they? Don't they have a play? How does that work? How yeah. does the playoff work in NASCAR? Because you know people poo poo American racing, but but I think that there's some version of that. You know, in the NBA, like I said, they have the cups that they play for now in the middle. This this uh, NBA Cup in the middle of the season, soccer does like 17 different of these. Uh, is there a way to? And maybe they make it that they're all racing in a spec car that's the exact same engine, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with anything except for just the. To throw some controversy in there, you just have the same car that these guys are driving with the same engine, same spec. Is there some way to improve so that they can, that we can have, you know, an in-season sort of tournament, so to speak, for uh, F1? Yeah. So in NASCAR, they launched um, what they call the Chase um, or the Champion, and now they call it the Playoffs. So it was originally branded as the Chase in 2004, and it was a 36 race calendar. And after 26 races, which they called the regular season, they reset the points. And it was all initially, I believe it was reset to like, everyone was back on a clean slate, you know, zero points. And then you go 10 races to the end and whoever performs the best over those 10 races wins the championship. And then about five, six years ago, they went to a playoff format where those last 10 races, they break it up into three races, three races, three races. So those three rounds after those three races, you 
um, tally up like the points uh, from those races to see who makes it into the next round. If you win a race, you automatically make it into the next round. So it's like win in in, in advance is how it works, right. which makes it really cool. Because um, the guys really go for a win. And if you're like, you've, you know, wrecked out of the first two races going into that third race, you still have a chance. If you win that race, you're making it to the next round. And then the 10th race is the championship race and um, four drivers, uh, I believe it's four drivers go in to that last race on an even playing field. And it's, Hey, whoever finishes the highest of these four, and it's usually the person who wins the race wins the championship. I think it's been a necessary change for NASCAR. I think there's a lot of old timers that would, you know, probably say that it's, it's a bit too fabricated, but I think it for our generation and what we require for new fans, having a playoff aspect, um, is important. And I think it'd be very interesting to try an F1. Imagine if we made it to the summer break and we race two thirds of our races, and then we do a reset on the points with some amount of bonus points for races one or something. And then, you know, everyone's had a chance over the first two thirds of the year to catch up on all their development. Now they're more apples to apples going into the last third of the season. And then it's just a sprint to the end to see, you know, who can do the best over the end. I, I would be very surprised if that idea doesn't get floated in the next few years, knowing Liberty media and how, you know, actively they're trying to manage the sport. Is there a version of being able to see who the best actual driver is in F1 I think nobody's going to argue with Max, but we also kind of look at it and said, yeah, but the car is the, it's the, it's the, it's the ultimate argument, right? It's the car, the driver. And in F1, it's like, no, it's both because we put a premium on both of those performances, being able to make the car and being able to drive it. Yeah. You could do some sort of, uh, in season, like the in season tournament idea, you could do an in season exhibition race that uh, maybe counts towards the driver's, uh, championships. And it's some sort of spec series where, you know, it's a uh, 20 identically prepared cars that I think would be super interesting, but uh, I think that would be hard to pull off in a, um, you know, in the regular 24 races that we run to somehow at some point switch to a spec series. I, that might be hard to, to do. All right. Give us a little bit of a preview of this uh, race in Brazil. What, what makes it interesting? I mean, we're obviously looking at this thing and watching to see if Lewis can chase down that second place overall finish in the, uh, individual standings, but what is the what's something that we should be watching for this weekend in Brazil? Yeah, so on the driver standing side, yeah, like you said, Lewis chasing down Checo, he's twenty points behind, and if um, or I think he should be nineteen points behind. If uh, Lewis had not been disqualified in uh, Austin, he'd be one point behind Checo. Oh, geez. so that's how like quickly he's catching up. He's like taking 15, 20 point chunks out of Checo's lead. And the rumor is, is that if Checo finishes third, then he's out. So that's, he's racing for his job. Um, I mean, Carlos and Fernando Alonso are locked up. seems that Carlos has the momentum and he's going to pull ahead of Alonso for sure. Norris, uh, Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc are locked up on the points as well. Nice. So I think it's cool just to watch those pairings to see who can finish above the other. But on the constructor side of things, um, it, you know, Mercedes is starting to distance themselves from uh, Ferrari. So it's really, I think, can McLaren continue to catch Ferrari and Mercedes? Um, you know, they didn't do a great job this last week with Lando's qualifying snafu that, you know, he came up through the field in, the, in amazing fashion. And I expect him to be very fast. Um, I think McLaren is going to be very fast at, at um, Brazil, but uh, they didn't catch that, you know, they lost ground on points to Ferrari. So it might be uh, too late for McLaren to um, get to anywhere higher than fourth place in the standings. But in the midfield, um, you know, 
Alpha Towery with Danny Rick's amazing drive jumped from last in the standings to eighth. And I think they were saying on the broadcast, that's like a $20 million swing, oh, geez. you know, it's uh it's the, so these teams are playing for real money, like 20, $30 million chunks of money by being able to move up a, sure. a spot or two in the constructors. But I love Interlagos because it's a windy high downforce track that just requires a ton of skill. It's an old track, which means it's got, you know, not great grip. Um, it's bumpy. Um, we've raced there for a long time, so there's a lot of heritage to it. And then there's always just a high chance of rain. Like we saw last year that, you know, enabled Magnuson to take pole and then, um, you know, George to win the race. So I, I, it just always seems like chaos to me when we go to Brazil. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. We're looking forward to it. And, uh, then of course there's the two week wait, or I guess the, the week, uh, gap between, and then the two week wait for, Maybe the weirdest situation that we've ever seen in F1, a race on the strip uh, in Las Vegas. We will in some shape, way, shape, or form be covering this uh, this race, uh, and uh, that's a promise from the folks here at Mode Push. We have apparently some media credentials, okay? Um, I will be very disappointed if Dan and I both can't go, but I think that that's the way it might be working <laughs> out. We might have to split it, uh, but – uh, either way, uh, we're gonna we're gonna carry that thing and be uh, excited about it and and get everybody pumped for it. So, if you're one of those people who has uh, suddenly gotten into F1 over the last little while, that's like that's you're me, man. Like, and Dan's been following the sport forever, and so. Uh, but the um, the thing that has happened, and F1 is sort of quick to recognize it, but there's this part too, Dan, that's in the sport of like all these guys kind of being like, oh, the world's finally figured out F1. I'm like, no, you did the right thing, and started to try to convince Americans on how big this uh, F1 can be. And sure enough, it's taken it by storm. And so there you are. And we're trying to bring it all to you. So, Dan, thanks for the, for hanging out with me this week. And we're going to do it again next week. And we'll do it again the week after. We still have uh, a little chunk of the season left. So let's get it going. All the way to Christmas, man. That's what F1's doing to us. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. It's going to be a very interesting next few races. Okay. Dan Jimenez, Alex Curie. It is Mode Push. Download it. Tell your friends about F1. Tell your friends about the Mode Push podcast. We can give you that American per, uh, perspective on it. So for Dan, I'm Alex. We'll see you next time, everybody.